and turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 and verse 1. Luke 18 and verse 1, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray, not to faint. I want to talk to you this morning about prayers for personal revival. And by the way, there is no such thing as revival that is not personal revival. It's personal. I read a story of a preacher years ago who was preaching about revival. And he said the answer to revival is to draw a circle on the ground and get inside the circle and pray to God and say, God, would you start a revival inside this circle? That's what I want to talk about this morning, some prayers in the Bible for personal revival, for you and for me. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the fellowship of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for the opportunity to come together to praise your name. I thank you that we can smile and laugh. Thank you that we can enjoy that connection with one another. I thank you that we can worship our Father together. I thank you that we can enjoy songs that point us and direct us to you and your goodness, that lift you up. Lord, you said if you be lifted up, you draw men to yourself. Uh, Lord, today I, my prayer would be, number one, that you would be able to draw all men to yourself in this place here today. Lord, if there's one here that knows you not as Savior, I pray that today they would see you. Today they would see themselves in contrast with your perfection and your holiness. They would see themselves as we all are sinners before a holy God. They'd see that your love for them on Calvary, your death, the burial and resurrection of Jesus. And they would see their need of a Savior and trust you today. Lord, I pray for believers here, Christians gathered in this place. Lord, this place is for us to come and worship and Remember the empty tomb every Lord's Day morning. Lord, I pray that every one of us would desire personal revival. Revival in our hearts. And Lord, I pray you would be with us as we open your word together. Lord, I pray you'd help me, Lord, to preach and teach and write your truth. God, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be, I saw you already seated this morning. I thought you were standing up. I thought you stood up while I was praying. We, this morning, are looking at personal revival. Notice the verse there. We're jumping off point. We're going to look at several other scriptures this morning. But it says that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Notice it's a consistent prayer. Always pray. Always pray. How many of you have teenagers at home? Okay, I'm talking to you. Especially those of teenage boys. You know, Peter, you probably give your son something to eat. You don't. Because you don't love them. Yeah, that's what it is. You know, you feed a teenager, and you think, oh, they're good. Two hours later, what happens? Hey, I'm hungry. What are we going to eat? They're in the refrigerator. What have we got in here? 
Uh, can we get pizza? Uh, Bond last week, he ate 16 plates of food. He wasn't even going to have lunch. I watched him over there. We they just never quite get enough. Just always eating. That's the way Pastor Rice is. I'm trying to always eat, try to follow Jesus' pattern. But we ought always pray. Always pray. And notice not only consistent prayer, but continual prayer. Continual prayer, not to faint. How many of you have ever gotten really sleepy when you didn't want to go to sleep? How many have ever done the bob and weave? How many of you know what the bob and weave is? That's when you're sitting there with the mic, you're paying attention. And the head bounces. I remember when I was in Bible college, I was sitting in New Testament survey. I remember where I was. I was sitting just about right here, right near the front, big auditorium. Guy was teaching. And I was fighting sleep. I hadn't slept in a couple of days. And I was tired. I'd probably, it had been 48, over 48 hours since I'd had any sleep. And I was just trying to stay awake. And oh, I tried everything. You know, you try to chew gum, uh, try to pinch yourself on the inside of your leg. You ever been there? I mean, you're trying. I'm thinking of, I got some toothpicks. I could stick them in there. And I knew that I was nodding off and I was fighting it hard. And. The guy who was teaching looked and he saw me and he started smiling. And he grabbed a cup of water. And then he's teaching, he walked up there. I'm not going to throw it, this is coffee, I'm going to drink it. But he, right in my face, I wanted to fight him. I should have punched him in the mouth, brother mine. But I was, I was fighting. I was fighting to stay awake. I had trouble. I kept having breaks if I was alert. I have, some, I have some college notes I've looked at years ago, and I'd, I'd look at my notes, and you see the handwriting. My handwriting's atrocious, but I'd see my handwriting, my normal atrocious handwriting, and all of a sudden, you see spots where the line would go down, <laughs> and then you see a drool spot. <laughs> Amen. Were you there, Jerish? You were there? Can you feel my pain? That's the truth. I, I could probably find one in my office. I, oh, yeah. I wasn't continuous. There was a little bit of a break. The disciples, when Jesus said, hey, come apart and pray with me, they started praying, Lord, I pray. They didn't continue with him, Jesus said. We're to have consistent prayer, continual prayer. Also committed prayer, always. Always. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Now, we see a picture here that we ought always to pray. We ought not to faint. I believe if we could commit ourselves to prayer, as God wants us to pray, it would make an impact in our city that would be felt around the world. I believe that. I believe prayer is a powerful tool that we've been given as believers. We so often don't pray. John, John the Revelator, you might call him. John, the man who was boiled alive in oil and didn't die. John, who I personally believe probably looked like a, some kind of sci-fi creature. Imagine what his skin looked like. A man, they boiled him in oil and he did not die. Imagine the scarring and the pain. He was alone on the Isle of Patmos. And he sat there and went, woe is me, I'm miserable, I hate everybody, I know. The Bible said he was in the Spirit upon the Lord's day. 
It was Sunday. There was no church. There was no body of believers on the Isle of Patmos. He was exiled. He was alone. But he was in the spirit. He prayed. And God worked and God gave him. a. I believe God literally transported him through time without a DeLorean. Uh, no flux capacitor involved. As he literally saw the future as God gave him a vision. But John was in the spirit. He, on that island by himself, John experienced revival. Elijah experienced personal revival, although he was surrounded by Ahab's wicked ministers. Moses experienced revival 40 days and 40 nights alone on the side of a mountain, Mount Sinai, as God met with him. The Shekinah glory of God came upon him, and when he walked down off the mountain, the people said, wow, Moses is glowing. The glory of God shone about him. Abraham experienced revival. Can I tell you when he experienced revival, I believe, when he had the knife, Brother Mott, he was ready to slay his own son, and God stopped his hand. And God provided a ram, Jehovah Jireh. God shall supply himself a lamb. As Abraham experienced revival there on Moriah with his son. Personal revival can be experienced in the worst conditions. By the way, we are spoiled. We're blessed. We have a blessed church. If you were here this week, you heard me say this. And I got up this week and I made the statement. I said, I've heard stories of pastors talking about the struggles and difficult situations and churches and problems. And I said, I, I, said, I don't understand that. <laughs> I said, I, we're privileged. I said, our church. I said, of course, we'll probably, probably happen today, Brother Maud, but, but what a blessed place we have here. How good God's been to us. How wonderful we have it. We we're in a wonderful situation, but can I tell you, if everything turns around in your life tomorrow, if the worst possible things and worst possible fears pop up, you can still experience personal revival. I, I want to give you just four, four prayers. And I, I'm not giving you magic words this morning. Uh, there are no magic words. But there is a powerful word of God. And in the Word of God, God gives us some, some direction, some leading to pray. By the way, when the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray, he didn't say, oh, it doesn't really matter what you pray, just pray. No, he, he taught them. He said, okay, fellas, I'll teach you how to pray. We, we often wrongly call it the Lord's Prayer. And I'm not mad at you if you call it the Lord's Prayer, uh, but let me help you. The Lord never had to pray that prayer. There's never one time our Lord had to pray, Forgive me my trespasses. Why? He never trespassed. He never broke. He never sinned. It wasn't the Lord's prayer. It wasn't his prayer. Okay, you pray like me, fellas. Rather, it was the model prayer how he taught the disciples to pray. He taught them. I believe the Bible teaches us how to pray, teaches us things to pray for, and I believe we see four specific things, and we're going to look at them this morning, that I believe will lead to personal revival. Uh, now, I, I praise God for great revivals and God working in churches and cities and countries, and God is still doing that today. But every one of those times started right here in the heart of believers. Every time. 
Dr. Hyman Appleman, uh, a Jew who got born again, began to preach the gospel. Mr. Appleman came to Edmonton in the early 1900s when we were a young, a young city. It was a little rough and tumble place back then. Mr. Appleman came and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ in our city. A great revival happened almost 100 years ago, not quite. But how about now? How about 2023? If it's going to happen, it's going to have to start in our hearts, in our life. As we talk about these prayers for revival, I want us to have a greater walk a greater fellowship with the Lord. Number one, would you turn with me to Psalm 139? Very simple prayers this morning. By the way, God doesn't measure your prayer by how flowery your language is. You know, let us, let us understand, you know, you don't have, when you pray, you don't have to uh, you know, great God of Abraham and Isaac, and you can do that if you want. That's okay. But you can just say, hey, Dad, Abba, Father. So, oh, that's sacrilege. No, it's not. When I pray, I'm not praying to try to find the word, my most powerful words and some magical words. Praying is communicating with God. When I, this afternoon, when I'm sitting for lunch, I'll be sitting by my wife. If there's food that I want on the other side of her, I'm not going to say, oh, most beautiful. No, she wished I would say that. Oh, most beautiful and short, wife. Oh, wife of 26 years. Oh, wife who I married in my youth. Would you please pass that? I'm going to say, hey, you pass me the potatoes. Prayer is us asking God. Not the message this morning, but I, don't miss that. You're going to see this morning, very simply, number one, the first prayer. Search me, O God. So preacher, that's not a very long prayer. No, but it's your powerful one. It's a powerful one. Search me, O God. Look at Psalm 139, verse 23. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Can I tell you, you will never have personal revival in your heart. Until you put yourself before a holy God and say, God, would you search me? We want to tell God, hey, I'm okay. I'm okay. I was joking several months ago, we bought some bins, some storage bins for the church. And at Costco. Praise God for Costco. Amen. And as I'm going through, I joked with the person at the till. I said, hey, don't look inside. The, don't, don't take the lid off those bins. I don't want you to see all the stuff I stole. How many of you would have known that I was joking when I said that? <coughs> this poor lady. Oh, now I've got to look in every bin. Well, she looked at me like she was going to punch me. I was afraid she was gone to. She had opened every bin, and there's a guy there looking at her like, what is wrong with you? 
Like, that guy's joking. Uh, he didn't steal anything. He, you know, but we want to go to God and say, God, hey, hey, don't, don't look inside of me. I'm good. Trust me. You don't need to see. Just, just trust me, God. It's all right with me. But search me, oh God. See if there be any wicked way in me. You know why we don't pray that prayer? Because we know there is, and we're comfortable with it being that way. How many of you remember when your kids got the first loose tooth? The tooth's there, and they came. Oh, Daddy, my, my tooth's wiggling. I'm going to lose a tooth. And you went, okay, I'll pull it out. No! My girls will tell you, they came to me with a loose tooth. What would I do? I'd grab a pair of pliers. <laughs> Let me help you, parents. Some of you young parents, you haven't been experienced this yet. You know why I did that? Because I don't love my children. No, I thought, man, I'm not going to listen to them whine, Brother Ahmad. You got a loose tooth, I'll pull it out. They never came and asked me one time. From the time they were two years old, they pulled out every tooth all by themselves. They, you, they come and say, hey, pull my, no, 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 don't pull it out. One of the girls, who was it, was a marshmallow? Who was that? Was that Rebecca? She, she's a wimp. And I was trying to, no, 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 don't pull my tooth. It's hanging there. Like a swinging door. <laughs> You look like an idiot. No point, tooth. And let me say, I, I grabbed a pair of pliers and come at her. Ah, get away. Don't pull my tooth. It was so loose. The truth. This isn't preaching. I'll step away from the pulpit. Uh, she ate a marshmallow. Her tooth came out in a marshmallow. That's how little it was holding on. But she's like, oh, no, no, don't take it out. We said, no, God, I'm okay. I don't want you to see. Why? Because we don't want God to remove that out of our life. But until we put ourselves before God and say, God, search me. See if there be any wicked way in me. I'll never experience personal revival. Till I allow myself to be searched by God. Search me. The first part of that prayer, search me, O oh God. It's a prayer of surrender. In other words, God, take a look at every aspect of my life. Every part of my existence, God, I want you to look at it. I want you to check it out. Not only search me, but in that same prayer, know my heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Well, what do we say in our culture? I'll just follow your heart. I'll follow your heart. Well, what a mistake. Follow, follow God's heart. Follow the heart of Christ. The heart's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Gee, the Lord said, I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruits of his doing. God checks out your heart. Back in 2000, or not, yeah, 2000, November of 2000, I was on my way to school. It was my senior year of college. I was driving to Bible college that night. As I was driving, I called. I, I, I was so busy, and my custom was the only time I had time to talk was when I drove. and I didn't sleep much. <laughs> I didn't do much of anything except work and go to college. But as I drove to college, my custom was I, on my way to class, evening college classes, 
I try to call and talk to my parents for a few minutes. And I called and my dad answered the phone and my mom was not home. And I knew something was wrong. I talked to my dad a few minutes. I said, hey, dad, I got to go. I got off the phone. I called my mom. And I said, mom, I said, you need to get home. I said, something's wrong with dad. I said, you have to go home. I said, whatever you're doing, you go home right now. I said, something is terribly wrong with dad. Mom went home. Dad wasn't well. She wanted to call the ambulance. And of course, my dad, sharing the same DNA that he gave to me, wouldn't allow her to call the ambulance. My dad wouldn't let her drive him to the hospital. My dad got behind the wheel, drove himself to the hospital. I'm not saying it was wise. I'm just telling you what happened. When he got there, his blood pressure was 200 and something over 100 and something. The doctor listened to his heart, checked him out. And it wasn't long after he got there, they figured out he had congestive heart failure. They checked out his heart. They did a bunch of tests. They found out at the time his heart was, injection factor of his heart was like 18%. It was functioning at 18%. Praise the Lord, miraculously, my dad now living with congestive heart failure for 22 years. Still doing pretty good. That's an anomaly. It almost never happens. Most people never live that long with congestive heart failure. But they had to check out his heart. If he'd gone to the doctor, they said, okay, Mr. Rice, we need to listen to your heart. We, we, need, to, we need to check your blood pressure. It used to be they couldn't put a regular blood pressure cuff on my dad. They had to put a leg cuff, a thigh cuff on my dad's arm because my dad's arm was too big. Can't even get it closed, a regular arm cuff. They, he had to let them check his heart. Christian, one of the reasons we don't experience personal revival is we don't want God checking our heart. We don't want him, we don't want him poking around in there. Search me, oh God. Search me, oh God. We need to turn our heart to the Lord. Try me, it says there as well. Test me, prove me. In other words, God, check everything. Check it all out. Make sure it's all okay. I want to make sure that my relationship with you, there's nothing that's wrong. Anything that's wrong, I want to fix it. Years ago, when my wife and I started dating, she was going to go on a trip to Ohio from the college, about a seven-hour trip, and she had a Pontiac 6000. How many of you remember the Pontiac 6000 cars? Do they have those in Canada? Do you remember those? And it had the 2.5 Iron Duke engine in it, little, little tiny little four-cylinder. They put that same engine in a Camaro, what a stupid thing. Anyway, that little four-cylinder engine, and before she went on the trip, I said, I'm going to check your car out. I went and checked all the fluids, crawled around in the vehicle. I actually laid into the vehicle for a little while because a tornado came through in the parking lot when I was doing that. At the same time, that's, that's the truth. But I was making sure, checking to make sure it was all good. Why? Because I cared about her. I, I didn't want her driving down the highway, brother and with a wheel ready to flop off. She's a bad enough driver anyway. If a wheel comes off, it's going to get even worse. I love you. <laughs> I'm going to preach over here. But I wanted to check everything for her. Why? Because I loved her. Christian, God loves you. 
Won't you let him check you? Won't you pray, oh God, search me. Search me. Know my thoughts, it says. Know my thoughts. Genesis 6, 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. And that every imagination and the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. First Chronicles 28, 9 says, And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father and serve him with a perfect heart. And with a willing mind, for the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imagination of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. The Lord knows the thoughts of man, the Bible says in Psalm 94. Psalm 119 says, I hate vain thoughts, but thy law do I love. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. Also, that part of that prayer of search me, O God, is convict me. In other words, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me. You know the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. There are some things that I don't like. How many of you have things you don't like? Imagine that. We all have things we don't like. Brother Ahmad doesn't like Vienna sausages. Somewhere here. Where is it, Josh? I forgot about it. He brought a can of Vienna sausages to give you this week, and I forgot about it. He hates them. Uh, that's how much Josh loves you. He brought you one. You know, there are things that, things that we hate. I have, I don't have a lot of abilities, but I have one ability that is almost supernatural. I have an amazing sense of smell. You know, there was an old TV show. The guy would say it's a blessing and a curse. It is not a blessing. Having an amazing sense of smell is not a blessing. It is a curse. You know why? Because I smell stinky people. I smell things that stink that nobody else can smell. There could be something that smelled really bad, like right, Bond. He smells really bad. I can tell... Yeah, he smells horrible. Uh, now, Peter would smell him if he smelled bad, but nobody else around would smell. I, I'd, I'd smell him. I, I have an amazing sense of smell. If something smells bad, it grates on me. I can't deal with bad smells. It's just, oh, it's, it really, really, really annoys me because it's so, it seems so powerful to me. I'll say to my wife, do you smell that? Oh, and praise the Lord, God knew that she needed not to be able to smell because I stink. And so God didn't give her a very good sense of smell. And she won't notice it, but I'll notice it. If I'm somewhere something smells, I've got to deal with it. I've got to get it away from me. I've got to, I've got to do something. I've got to get away. I can't have it around me. It pokes and prods at me. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, Christian. And this wicked way in me, can I tell you the Holy Spirit, hey, that ought not be there. Hey, it bothers him. Why? Because God can't be in this presence of sin. Conviction. Convict me. Thus I can confess my sin. God can point out my wickedness. By the way, God can point out your wickedness better than you can. God's good at that. John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, I will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and ye see me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. How many times 
Have you prayed, oh God, search me? Search me, oh God. And God's done exactly that. When we pray that prayer, God always leads us closer to him. God will not lead a disobedient Christian. God will not lead you disobedient to him. That prayer of, Lord, search me in faith, Lord, search me that you may remove and lead me and direct me and direct my heart where it ought to be. The first prayer this morning, search me, oh God. The searching prayer, the searching prayer of a saint of God from the heart of a believer will bring, it will bring personal revival. Number two, the second prayer. This is a lot of words here, big, long, wordy prayer. Save me, Lord. That's it. The Bible says in Matthew 14, verse 28, Oh, Peter, I've been talking about Peter in our adult Sunday school class. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked in the water to go to Jesus. And can I tell you, Peter has the world record for water walking, except for Jesus Christ. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous and he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. You know, he didn't use a lot of flowery words. He didn't try to impress James and John who were in the boat. He didn't say, well, okay, James is going to hear me pray. He's close to the Lord. Well, i got to impress him. Oh, great Messiah of the tribe of... No. Lord, save me! That was it. Why? Because he needed saved. He needed saving. Can I tell you that as we think of that prayer, we see salvation. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I'll trust and not be afraid for the Lord. Jehovah is my strength and my song. He's also become my salvation. You know, salvation is not just, doesn't just give us a home in heaven, although praise God it does that. When I call unto him in simple faith believing, the faith of a child, Jesus said, not, not, not the faith of a, uh, someone with an extremely high IQ to be able to understand and be able to put all the pieces together and understand God. By the way, not one person here understands God. By the way, the, the highest, uh, most highly educated man or woman with the most degrees after their name, they do not understand God. God says, my ways are higher than your ways. God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. How many have ever had a discussion with somebody and you realize partway in the discussion that person is thinking on a higher level than I can even come to. I've, been, I've had those discussions with most people, by the way. Uh, I, I don't know. He used like these things called words. I don't know what those are. But God thinks on a higher level. We can't think like he thinks. But God doesn't just save us. Salvation is not just a fire escape plan from hell. There's more to salvation than that. This life, is temporary. By the way, if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, there's never been a time when you prayed a simple prayer like Peter prayed. Lord, save me. I called out to him from the state of Wyoming, a little trailer park in Gillette, Wyoming, over 30, over, oh my, over 40 years ago. 
There's never been a time when you've said, Lord, save me. I need to be born again. I need to trust you. Can I tell you this life is temporary. One day it will be done. But as a Christian, once I trust him, I have eternal life. I'll be in the presence of God forever someday. I was showing someone a picture yesterday in my home, a picture of me when I was 10 years old. And it was my sister. My sister was 8. I was 10. And then my grandfather was in the picture. Uh, he would have been 74. Four years old, I think, in that picture. And I showed him that picture. I said, hey, this is a picture of me when I was 10 years old. And the person said, oh. I said, that's my grandpa. And they said, is he still living? I said, oh, no. I said, he, he passed away in 1994. But can I tell you that although in 1994, on an Easter Sunday morning, about 1230, actually at lunchtime, he breathed his last, last breath in a hospital room in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. The very moment that that happened, he opened his eyes in a place called heaven in the presence of his Savior. And he's still there. Why? Because life eternal follows this life that is done, temporary. A saved person gets to be in the presence of God forever. I get to worship him forever. Revelation 5 verse 8 says, And when he had taken the book, this is what John saw when he was in the presence of the Lord day, when John experienced personal revival. It says he saw the four beasts and four and twenty elders. What did they do? They fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain. And has redeemed us to God by the blood of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. And behold, I heard a voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beast and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands. Same with a loud voice, worthy as the lamb that was slain. To receive power. And riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing in every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, one day that stupid moose is going to praise the Lord Jesus Christ. One day that big walleye, Brother Darren, you know I've been trying to catch, is going to jump out of the water and say, praise Jesus. Blessing, honor, glory, and power to him that sat from the throne of the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. If we just stop and realize what we have at salvation, Christian, can I tell you revival would happen in your heart? If you'd realize what happened. But can I tell you that I'm saved from hell the moment that I trust him as my Savior. It's eternal. But God wants to save you from more than that. God wants to sanctify you, to set you apart. Who does that? Lord, save me, help me. He wants us to serve him. By the way, I don't serve him in my power, I serve him in his. He, he wants to give me that security. Isaiah 26, 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in the years ago. And I've got to hurry, I want to tell you a quick story and then I a couple more passages I want to give you. I was driving a vehicle with my old neighbor, uh, Keith. Many of you know Keith. 
some of the fellas we were out hunting together this year. He and I were driving. I was in his Dodge Ram pickup, his not Ram, Dodge Dakota pickup truck. And it was an extended cab in the back seat. His son was in there. and His son Logan was just a kid. He was, he was sleeping. He was laying in the back seat, <laughs> snoring. And we're out driving or hunting, and we got in some really, 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 really bad roads, some of the worst roads I've been on in my life. I was driving. Somewhere there's a video of me, a video of this somewhere. And number one, you can tell the roads are bad, Brother Mog, because I've got both hands on the wheel. If you see me with both hands on the wheel, be very afraid. And I'm also laughing, like a giddy, weird laugh. That's when you get really afraid. You ever hear Pastor Rice like making this giddy weird? <laughs> that means I'm scared. And I'm, <laughs> I'm driving. And I'm like, oh, this is horrible. This is bad. And there's a video of me driving. And we're praying, oh, God, help me get out of here. And we don't let's get stuck. And we got to get out of here. And then he pans the camera, the phone back to Logan. Logan's <laughs> mud is flying in the window, landing on his face. <laughs> he wasn't worried. Too many of us are worried. Well, you can trust the Lord Jesus Christ. He's got it under control. He'll save you. Not only just from hell, but he'll save you from the circumstances of life as we go to him. Number three, quickly. Number three, the third prayer that leads us to personal revival. Show me thy way. Show me thy way. Exodus 33, verse 13. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, Show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. Christian, here's what we want to do. We want to pull out our spiritual GPS, and we want to say, okay, here's the route that I'm going to go. God, this is the way I'm going to go, okay? Is that all right, Lord? Okay. We, we want to tell God where we're going. When I, when I was a kid, teenager, if I had gone to my dad and said, hey, dad, I'm going to go here. You know how I know this would happen? Because it happened one time. I say, dad, I'm, I'm going to go here. My dad said, no, you're not. Oh, yeah. yes, sir. <laughs> now, had I gone to my dad and said, hey, dad, is it okay if I go over to so-and-so's house? Can I do this? Hold on, I was, I was 17 years old at the time. He was my father. Amen. I didn't tell my dad what I was going to do at 17 years old. Amen. By the way, if you let your kids tell you what they're going to do at 17 years old, uh, they're not the problem. Amen. Our parenting's the problem. But we want to tell God where we're going. God wants us to say, hey, God, tell me where to go. Show me thy way. When's the last time you said, God, I, I just want to go the way you want to go. I, I just want to follow your path. So we pray, show me thy way. What is his way? Isaiah 30 says, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When you turn to the right hand, when you turn to the left, God has a way. 
God has a way for your life. By the way, before Christians were called Christians in Antioch, that word was coined in a, a place called Antioch. The believers in the, that city were called Christians first in Antioch. Can I tell you what followers of Jesus Christ were called before that? People of the way. The people of the way. Whenever, whenever Paul was getting, but Paul, before he got saved, Saul of Tarsus, before he trusted Christ, he was on his way, seeking not for Christians. That word did not exist yet. In the language, in the vernacular of Koine Greek in that day. Rather, he was searching for people of the way. God has a way. He has a way for you. He has a way for me. Would we pray, God, show me the way. Show me the way you have for me. Don't try to tell God your way. Don't try to talk God into letting you have your way. But ask God for His way. He does have a way. I can know the way. He has a way. He also has a will. Hebrews 10 says, For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Doing the will of God is imperative to receive the promise of God. I will never see personal revival, ever, unless I'm inside the will of God. Most people can't find the will of God for the same reason they can't find a policeman. They're not looking for the will of God. Do you know when you, if you commit a crime, Brother Eric, you don't go looking for a policeman. It's not going to happen. Uh, if Brother Maud robs a bank this afternoon, that'd be a bad day to rob a bank. Uh, you make sure the doors are open. Probably tomorrow's a better day. Uh, I'll go with you and help you. Let's, let's plan that out. Uh, I'll wear a ski mask. You don't wear one. That way you get caught. But if he goes and robs a bank, as he's running out, and I, I've never robbed a bank before. I, on the cartoons, they always have a bag with a big dollar sign on the bag. When he's got his two big bags of dollar, you know, the dollar sign on the bag as he's running down the street, the first place he's going to run is not a police station. He's not going to say, hey, where's the policeman? Hey, police! Police! Now, there's going to be a lot of people chasing him. Hey, police! Follow that guy. He's not going to look for a police officer. He don't want to get caught. He doesn't want to be around the police. The police are going to, uh, going to take him from the way he wants to go and put him into a jail cell the way he doesn't want to go. Too many times we look at God as the police, the spiritual police. We don't want to see him. We don't want God to give us the way. But we need God's way. We need God's way. Lastly, turn to Isaiah chapter 6. We need to walk the way God wants us to go. We need to pray and ask God to give us the way. We need to use the light that he gives us today to walk in the path he reveals for you now. He said, Pastor, I don't know the, I don't know the, the will of God down the road. That's okay. Walk where you know now. As I was driving with Pastor Wilkerson this week, we were taking him for a meal he asked me, he said, Pastor Rice, he said, how, how did you know that God wanted you to come to Canada? And I told him, I said, Pastor, I said, when I was a young college student, I said, I made a decision. I told the Lord, I said, God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. It was August of 1994. I, I wrote it and I have a Bible in my office. I remember writing down, Lord, I, wherever you want me to go, Lord, I'll go. But I didn't know where that was. I knew God wanted me to serve him. I knew God had somewhere for me to go. So I had a choice to make. I could have said in August of 1994, okay, God, I'm going to sit right here 
And when you tell me where to go, I'll go. I'd still be sitting there. I, I rather made a decision. Lord, I don't know where you want me to go someday. I don't know where you want me to go someday when I graduate from college. I don't know what ministry, if you tell you're coming, you have for me. I don't know what people you want me to share Christ with. But I know this weekend you want me to take the word of God and minister to a group of people in the inner, north inner city of Chicago. And so that Saturday, I didn't go to Canada. I didn't come to Edmonton and start preaching. I went to the north side of Chicago and started knocking doors and telling people about Jesus Christ. I started bringing boys and girls and teenagers and moms and dads to Christ and bringing them to church and ministering to their hearts. Now, was God going to bring me to Canada? Eventually. I began to pray and I told pastor, I said, I... Uh, every time I heard of a need, I wrote that need down on a piece of paper, and I prayed over that need. I dry, as I drove down the highway, uh, you'll learn as I'm preaching this morning, I do a lot of distracted driving. But I, I would, I'd have that piece of paper, and I would pray as I drove, God, where do you want me to go? I had a friend one day. His name is, uh, oh, help me. You know him. Uh, Dave Mumper. Uh, Dave Mumper, a dear friend of mine. Uh, he, he married a, a Filipina lady. About five years ago, a uh, dear friend of mine, uh, she has a few kids. And anyway, Dave said to me one day, he said, hey, have you ever thought about going to Canada? Well, Archie, you know what I did? I laughed at him. I mean, I laughed at him. I was good at laughing at Dave. Dave's easy to laugh at. I, I laughed at him. What are you talking about, you idiot? I probably said something like that. Canada? What? I walked away, man, it wasn't five minutes. The Holy Spirit started twisting that knife. I said, okay, God, I'll pray about Canada. I'll write it on my stupid list. That's about the attitude I had. It wasn't very long. So I'm driving down the road back in 2000. And God said, hey, remember back in 1994? Remember when you said you'll go wherever I want you to go? That's where I want you to go. That day would never have come unless I was willing to go the way that I already knew to go. Don't get hung up on where you're going to be a year from now or two years from now. Do what you're supposed to do today. Tonight at 4 o'clock, be right here. Tomorrow morning, get up, open your Bible, read the Word of God. Talk to God in prayer. Tell somebody about Jesus this week. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Help the hurting. Do what you know to do now. Show me the way. Lastly, look at Isaiah 6, verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? I want you to hear the words of Isaiah, Isaiah the prophet. Then said I, here am I. Lastly, number four, send me. Send me. You know what we want to pray? I'll tell you because I know. Because I've been there. We want to pray, hey, hey God, send some more Brother Ocampos to the Philippines. That's what we want to pray. 
We had Brother, Brother Odessina with us this week. We're going to bring him back pretty soon. So how many of you remember him and his dear wife, missionaries to Nigeria? They were here with us this week, and our church put them up in a hotel so they could be here. And boy, they, they had a ball. I don't know how many times they hugged me and thanked me for letting them be here this week. And I told Brother Odessina uh, Friday night, I said, Preacher, I said, in a few weeks, I'm going to bring you back. You're going to come, and you're going to preach to us. 70 years old, going to be seven, no, 80 years old, going to be 81 still preaching and starting churches in Nigeria. We want to say, oh, God, send another Brother Odessina to Nigeria. We want to say, oh, God, yes, send another, another Will Esienko to our province to be a church planner. Send another Dan Crumball out to, to reach a minister to the First Nations people in the Paul Bam Reserve and other places around. God, send somebody. That's not what Isaiah prayed. Isaiah said, send <coughs> Christian, if you're going to have personal revival, you have to pray and get inside that circle and say, okay, God, send me. Send me. The tone of Isaiah's voice here is total surrender. He's saying, just send me. I'll go. I can do it. Send him where? To the people. In verse 9, we see that. And I'll read quickly for you, Luke 14. Then said he to a certain man, made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, and old things are not ready. And they with all one consent began to make excuse. The first said, I bought a piece of ground. I must needs see it. I pray they have me excused. The other said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. I pray they have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, and therefore cannot come. So the servant came and showed his Lord these things. And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. If you want to be sent of God, God will send you where there are people. I, I love the wilderness. Uh, you, you could take me and drop me off in the middle of nowhere without another human being. And Brother Maude will tell you, I'm perfectly content. I could just enjoy God's creation. You can take me. I'll tell you where you take me. Take me out to Moline Lake. <laughs> Just drop me off there. Give me a fishing rod and a kayak and a little ultralight tent. And, uh, maybe give me a big 50-pound bag of rice so I have something to live on. <laughs> and, uh, I'll, and I'm okay. But I wouldn't be okay. You know why? Because God made me. God created me not to just enjoy what God gives, but God made me to minister to people. God made you for the same purpose. Send me. He always sends us where there's people. Why? Verse 10 in our text, it tells us there, Christian, we don't want to pray. We don't want to say, God, send me. Many will say, but I, God never called me. God never came down and hand wrote on the wall. I said many years ago, someone asked me, Pastor, are you ever going to start a Christian school? Brother Maud, I said, yes, I will. When God comes down from heaven, and God, with the finger of God, like in the book of Daniel, he, he writes on the wall, start a Christian school. Then I'm going to say to God, okay, let me pray about it for 10 years. I, you know, we want God, the man of God's got to write it out and spell it out. We, we want to... Oh, I got it, man. I got to know for sure. I got to have some crazy sign. No, no doubt about it. You know, God ain't called me because I never heard the voice of God. God never wrote it on the wall. God never did something magical. 
Dr. John R. Rice, no relation to me, once told of his calling. And if you listen to John R. Rice's testimony about his calling to ministry, he kind of forced himself on God. He kind of said, okay, God, you're going to use me. I'm going to volunteer. Uh, he wasn't voluntold. He, was volu he volunteered for Jesus. I believe every Christian, every layman, I believe every mom and dad in this room, every teenager, every older person, every younger person, every born-again believer in Jesus Christ, I believe every one of us ought to be surrendered to God and say, God, if you want to send me, send me. Now, we want to say, okay, uh, we'll let somebody else surrender. I'll pick if I'm going to go or not. But let's let God pick. Let's let God pick. Let's surrender our life and say, God, I'm available if we want personal revival. God, send me. God, send me. By the way, personal, personal revival in your heart would solve about 99% of the problems you have. It'd solve your relationship problems. It'd solve some struggles. Uh, you'd probably live a nearly worry-free, problem-free life if you just get yourself in a, a position where God could bless you and God could revive your heart and your soul. By the way, if you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, can I tell you that salvation is the answer? It's not living a clean life. I believe we ought to live clean lives. I believe we ought to be holy for God's holy, but that's not going to solve your problem. Brother Ahmad spent 37 years of his life trying to be holy and trying to live a clean life, and he was on his way to hell. He was religious. Brother Mike, Brother Mike grew up very religious, family, very religious. Man, he prayed all the time, had idols in your home, and had services. He lived a holy life. He was spiritual, religious. He was on his way to hell without Jesus Christ. The answer is not religion. God wants you to live a holy life, but that's not the answer. The answer is not coming to church. There are a lot of people that go to church their whole life and they go straight from church to hell. Being in a church doesn't make you a Christian any more than if I get inside my garage today makes me a car. The answer is salvation. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ today, would you trust him? There's no greater decision. There's no great, the most important moment of your life may be today. Amen. The day you either say, no, God, I don't want what you've offered. Or yes, I accept salvation most important day of your life. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for wanting to use us. I thank you for giving us revival in our hearts. Lord, as we think of these prayers of revival, personal revival, God, I pray that we would be willing to pray them. Lord, our flesh wants nothing to do with personal revival. The devil would try to keep us from that. Our sin, our pet sin would keep us from that. Our critical spirit would keep us from that. Our fleshly lust would keep us from that. But Lord, I pray that we would desire it. Lord, would you work in our hearts? Lord, I pray for anyone here that knows you're not a savior. Lord, the most important thing that could happen in these couple of moment, moments we have left 
more important than anything else that happens around the world today is if somebody doesn't know you as Savior, that they would trust you this morning. Lord, I pray that it be the case. I pray that most important decision would be made before it's everlasting too late. Lord, hell is real and it's eternal. Lord, would you work in our hearts as believers, Lord, that we would pray and ask you for revival. And God, would you call those to yourself. May you be glorified. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us this morning as Brother Royce comes and leads us and leans us in a hymn of invitation. Now let's take our hymnals. We'll turn to number 482, Where He Leads. Hymn number 482. this morning and uh, we have a few folks coming this morning wanting to uh, join in membership at Cornerstone Baptist Church and uh, the Lord led Mark and Ruth here a uh, year 14 months ago I'm kidding how long ago the first time and, uh, she was really fat back then how many of you remember how fat she was when she came and uh of course, she was pregnant. You ladies, don't get mad at me. And uh, you can make fun of fat people as long as they're pregnant ladies. It's okay. No. And uh, no, God led them here. And, of course, uh, uh, she had Zoe. And uh, I really don't want them in the church, but I like Zoe, so I'm excited about that. But, uh, and then this November, uh, God led John here. Uh, 
from Ontario, and we're going to try to forgive him for that, that he's from Ontario. But uh, if you guys want to come ahead, and uh, Mark, and Ruth, and, and also John. John is uh, Ruth's brother, for those of you that didn't realize that. Uh, she has an intelligent sibling as well. She lives in the U.S., right? And then there's Sean. But uh, they're coming this morning, and uh, all three of them coming to pastor. Uh, we want to we want to join with Cornerstone Baptist Church, not just not just to attend, not just to be there, but uh, but we want to be on the team. We want to be part of the church, and uh, of course they uh, were members in Ontario last, I think, or Philippines for you guys last. It's Ontario last, right? I think in Ajax, and of course the Faithway Baptist Church. They're in Ajax, wonderful church, and uh, they grew up there. And we're so excited to have them. And we're going to have a really official vote here. How many in favor of? Uh, uh, receiving in a membership, these dear folks. Also, with the right hand, if you disagree, would you walk out the back door there? That's wonderful. It passed with 100%, Brother Ahmad. Amen. But I'm excited for them, and I want you to be sure and welcome them and greet them here this morning, and uh, how wonderful it is uh, to have the Ocampos here, and, and John uh, here as part of our church. And uh, I'm going to ask Brother Ahmad if you would, if you close this part, let you guys go down. And uh, if you would, be sure and shake your hands. Welcome them. Brother Ma's going to close us in prayer this morning. Heavenly gracious Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for giving us this week that we could be uh, lifted up, Lord, and, and, and worship you and to praise you and, and really help, Lord, and how we can be a better servant to you, Lord, because you have done so much for us, Lord. You gave your son to us, Lord. You, you sacrificed your own Son, on the cross of Calvary for our sin, Lord. And I pray today, Lord, if there is anyone yet in the midst of us, Lord, that has to come to know you personally as their personal Savior, Lord, may today be the day of salvation for them, Lord. You, you want all of us to be saved, and, and you love us so much that you gave your own Son to us, Lord. We ask you to be with us as we leave this place. Help us to take your presence everywhere that we go, Lord. And as we gather back here together this afternoon, dear Lord, may we do everything and we do every, every, everything that we say and we do, Lord, brings honor and glory to your son, Jesus Christ. And we ask all these things in the precious name of our Lord and our Savior, your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen.